0: This morning, I invite you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13, Hebrews chapter 13. And we'll be looking at just two verses this morning, Hebrews chapter 13. Beginning at verse 2, verses 2 and 3, the writer says there, do not... Neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated since you also are in the body. Last week we heard the writer of Hebrews addressing his readers encouraging them to continue loving one another. Let brotherly love continue, he exhorts them. And we spent quite a while looking just at that call, that verse, to love one another. Very critical area of our Christian duty, of our Christian responsibility. Now following this exhortation to let brotherly love continue, it appears that the exhortations we have here in verses 2 through 6, are specifying ways in which such love is to be demonstrated. You see, it's easy for us to think unwittingly that love is simply a matter of what we hold in our minds. And What the writer is doing in these verses is to make the point that Christian love, Christian brotherly love, manifests itself in practical deeds, underscoring the truth that love for the brethren is not merely verbal or sentimental, but practical. That where true Christian love exists, Such love will flow out of our hearts, manifesting itself in tangible, practical deeds in what we do with respect to the interests and well-being of our fellow believers in Christ. As the Apostle John puts it in 1 John 3 and verse 18, little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. And so as we come to verse 2 this morning, the first truth that's suggested in this passage we see here in verse 2 is that brotherly Christian love is expressed through hospitality. Brotherly Christian love is expressed through hospitality. The author says there in verse 2, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. The word hospitality literally means love of strangers. And in this context, some versions will just say, do not neglect to show hospitality. Some versions will say, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. And I'm taking the term in the general sense, hospitality, not just to the saints, but to strangers. Hospitality to all. Implicit in this grace of hospitality is the idea that Christian, limits has, Christian love rather has no limits in its expression. If Christian love is expressed itself in hospitality, not just to the saints but to strangers, then it is clear that Christian love has no limits in its expression. The Bible in many places highlights hospitality as one of the key features. Of godliness. In fact, Job, the very first book of the Bible to have been written, cites righteous Job as a man who was given to hospitality. Says Job in Job chapter 31 and verse 32: the sojourner has not lodged in the street, I have opened my doors to the travelers. In the New Testament, hospitality is set forth as the hallmark of what it means to be Christian. In fact, in Acts chapter 16, verses 14 and 15, we see that no sooner had the Lord opened the heart of Lydia, no sooner had she welcomed the gospel, welcomed the word of God, and she was saved, she was baptized, than she prevailed upon Paul and his fellow missionaries to come to her house. The apostolic church, for a woman to be honored as a widow, she had to be reputed for showing hospitality, washing the feet of the saints, caring for the afflicted, among other practices. In exhorting the Christians at Rome to let their love be genuine, Romans chapter 12 and verse 9, let love be genuine, Paul, in the same breath, urges them, in verse 13, he says this, continue, He says, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. That word, seek, suggests there the idea of intense effort. It suggests that we are to endeavor to show it, that we are to run after the opportunity to do so. Our Lord Jesus identified hospitality as one of the defining marks which separate. False believers from true believers. He taught in Matthew 25, 31 through 36 that at his, at his glorious return, he will separate the sheep, that is the righteous from the goats, the sheep he will place at his right hand, the goats he will place at his left hand, and at that time, those on the right, to those on the right, he will Welcome to his kingdom with these words, for I was hungry, and you gave me food, I was thirsty, you gave me drink, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me, I was naked, and you clothed me, I was sick, and you visited me, I was in prison, and you came to me. Now if hospitality is one of the marks of piety, of biblical faith, then it's no wonder that marked As it was by moral and spiritual declension marked as those days were, that is, the days of the judges, the people of Gibeah did not take into their homes a traveling Levite and his servant who were sitting outside in the town square. We read in Judges chapter 19 and verse 15 how that this Levite and his servant, the Bible says there, he went in and sat down in the open square of the city for no one took them into his house to spend the night. Here comes a passerby... And he inquires of this Levite, well, what are you doing here? Where are you coming from? And here's what the Levite replied in Leviticus in Judges chapter 19, verse 18. And remember now, the book of Judges is set against the backdrop of the moral and spiritual declension of the times. Here's what this Levite said. He said this, we are passing from Bethlehem in Judah to the remote part of the hill country of Ephraim from which I come. I went to Bethlehem in Judah and I'm going to the house of the Lord but no one has taken me into his house. You see, among the reasons why hospitality was so much commanded in the word of God and why it was so much a critical necessity was that in the ancient world inns were a scarce amenity. Travelers, were at peril, particularly at nights, peril of people who were up to no good. Read Genesis chapter 19, and you'll see that also in the book of Judges. There were in peril of wild animals, and particularly in the early church, hospitality was necessary. Why? Because there were many a traveling preacher who as they traveled from place to place, they needed somewhere to lodge for the night. And if at all there were available inns, they were often pretty expensive, let alone morally and socially dangerous places. Crowded as they often were. They were by and large places that reeked with immorality, all kinds of unsightly immoral acts were committed in those crowded places in those times. As one commentator states, they were often filthy, outrageously expensive, and magnets for criminals. And so it was very important for believers to open their homes to these traveling itinerant of the gospel. And then, in the context of persecution, the need for hospitality was even more critical. In fact, the believers being addressed here in this epistle had their share of persecution in the form of ostracism and confiscation of their property, which no doubt left them heavily reliant on the hospitality of their fellow believers in Christ, now, as suggested by Hebrews chapter six verse ten, and this is a verse that we have referred to time and again in these studies, the Christians to whom the, this epistle was addressed, they had indeed been practicing hospitality, because there in Hebrews chapter six and verse 10, the writer had encouraged them, assuring them. The writer said in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10, For God is not unjust so as to overlook your work and the love that you have shown for his name in serving the saints. And watch this last clause, as you still do or as you are still doing. The question is, why then the need for this instruction? Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. If they were already practicing hospitality, if it was a way of life for these Christians, then why the need to tell them, do not practice hospitality? By the way, here's a perfect illustration of what I've often said. Preaching and teaching is not necessarily designed to give you new information. Preaching and teaching, one of the functions of preaching and teaching, is to reinforce truths that you already know. Why? Because we can become remiss and forgetful with respect to obeying these truths. And the question is, why then the need for such instruction? Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers the instruction was given, no doubt, to encourage them, to, as it were, reinforce them in the way of continuing to do so. And yet we have to ask again, but why? Well, given the fact that they had suffered, these Christians, being addressed here in the epistle to the Hebrews, these believers had suffered heavy financial loss, through the seizure of their possessions, they might have been tempted to become remiss. They have been tempt- might have been tempted to become neglectful and forgetful in continuing this practice. Against the backdrop of what they were suffering in terms of financial loss, the seizure of their properties, their hearts might have become steeled and closed to any further act of generosity in the area of hospitality. Again, this is a reminder of the words of our Lord Jesus in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. Remember what Jesus said, And because lawlessness will abound, because iniquity will abound in these last days, what did our Lord Jesus say? The love of many will grow cold. Second, the instruction do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers was very much needed because in the context of persecution, the practice of hospitality would involve some measure of risk. For example, it could expose the host to impostors who appearing under the guise of being Christian could do great harm. In fact, in every age, you'll find people who are unscrupulous, people who will take others for a ride, people who will misuse the generosity of others. There's always risk in the exercise of hospitality, particularly to strangers. So that there will be the temptation on the part of these Christians to slacken in this Christian duty all in the name of personal security. May I suggest this? You and I today face that very temptation. And as we're going to come to see, hospitality is far more than simply being nice, being kind, opening to our homes those whom we like, those with whom we are familiar, those who we like to hang around with. And so the call to these believers was not so much to admonish them, but to encourage them. What was to motivate them to continue showing hospitality. It was as though the writer was suggesting that they are not to let their difficult circumstances, their challenging circumstances, deter them, cause them to give up this practice of Christian hospitality. I was suggested by the word of God, the thing you and I need to bear... In mind on this matter of Christian hospitality. As I said a while ago, and I developed this point now, that first of all, hospitality is not something we extend just to those who are close to us, those with whom we are familiar, those whom we like. We know that because inherent in the Greek word hospitality, inherent in the Greek word, is the idea of love of strangers, love of those with whom we're not familiar. In fact, referring to the traveling preachers of his day, John, as he commends Gaius for his hospitality toward these traveling preachers, here's what the Apostle John said in 3 John 5 through 8, he commends Gaius for his hospitality toward, quote, those brethren, strangers as they are, end quote. Gaius barely knew these people, and yet he welcomed them into his home. Luke chapter 14, verses 12 and 13, our Lord Jesus told the parable, in fact, not a parable, he was actually addressing a Pharisee who had invited him to dinner. This man evidently was wealthy, and a lot of wealthy people were there, and Jesus took the time out to use that as a teaching moment. And here's what Jesus told this Pharisee who had invited him to dinner. He says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, The blind. In essence, what Jesus is saying here, invite people whom you would not normally invite. Those whom you do not naturally gravitate toward. And from this, what we gather is that Christian love, as expressed through hospitality, is a love that takes us out of our comfort zone Because the nature of Christian hospitality involves ministering to those with whom we're not familiar, those who are not within our circle, those with whom we do not naturally gravitate, it takes us out of our comfort zone, and we see there that Christian love, such love that is expressed through hospitality, is outgoing and outflowing, not just toward our Christian friends, but towards those we hardly know, including Christians and non-Christians. Second, suggested by the word of God, is that hospitality is not something we do out of mere convenience. Why so? Because hospitality is set forth in the Word of God as a command. It is set forth as a duty. Hospitality is not something that is left to us as being optional. It's not something that we do just because we feel that we want to be nice toward our neighbors, our friends, the people at our church. It's a duty that's commanded. In fact, one of the requirements of elders, according to first. Timothy chapter 3, verse 2, Titus 1, verse 8, and here I'm being challenged and being reminded one of the requirements of elders according to these passages is hospitality. In fact, according to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 9, believers in general, believers in general, that is to say, every Christian, is commanded to show hospitality to one another, 1 Peter 4 and verse 9. Peter says there, show hospitality to one another. And that hospitality is to be practiced, not just as a matter of convenience, but a matter of sacrifice, is illustrated for us in Luke chapter 11, 5 and 6. You know that account where Jesus tells the parable of the friend at midnight. Here's a friend coming from a long journey. He comes to his friend, knocks him up at night, midnight, perhaps in the wee hours of the morning. And the host, his friend, has nothing to set before him. No food to set before him. So what does he do? He goes to a friend to borrow three loaves of bread. And I ask the question, how cool, how comfortable, how pleasant is that? Imagine you had a friend coming to you at what some would describe as ungodly hours of the morning, ungodly hours of the night, wee hours of the morning. And here's the point, not just a one-shot situation, but remember the culture of that day, that really was the norm because as we said Inns were at a premium. They were scarce. People are traveling and they need to get somewhere. What happened? Nightfall catches them. In fact, they're out on the road late at night and so they are in need of lodgment. And to show the point that we are making here that it's not just a matter of convenience but as a matter of sacrifice, this friend then goes to another friend. He knocks him up and he says, listen. A friend of mine has just come and I have nothing to set before him. I'd eat three loaves of bread and the friend is in bed. He he says, listen, I've just shut the door. I'm in bed. My children are here and I cannot come to you. You see what is happening? The point we're making is that hospitality is not a matter of convenience. It is a matter of command. Hospitality involves going out of our way, particularly to help those, not just our fellow believers in Christ, but even those we hardly know. Showing hospitality to others is not always an easy thing to do, because why? To begin with, going out of one's way, particularly in regard to opening up one's home, especially to those we hardly know, spells vulnerability for us. Now, let me pause here to say this. Um, So we're dealing with a tension here where, especially in the days in which we live, talking about inviting people into your home, people you don't know, we need what? Wisdom. All right? We need wisdom. But here's the other side of the spectrum. The fact that the days are evil, if we look at the word of God closely, it does not free us, it does not absolve us from the responsibility of being hospitable. And it is so easy for us, beloved, to use as an excuse the fact that, listen, today things are so hard, next thing I invite this person, and I end up getting sued. You know what I'm talking about? the reality of the days in which we live makes hospitality quite a challenge. Which means that exercising hospitality requires faith and trust in God, but not only faith and trust in God, it requires the enabling wisdom and grace of God. It it requires trust in God, faith in God, and it involves... Reliance on the wisdom and grace of God. Once again, we see that if we take all of these things into account, hospitality is far more than just dealing with those with whom we are familiar, inviting them to our home just because we take tea together and we get along well. No, no, no. Even believers, even those believers we might not necessarily be, quote-unquote, comfortable with, we ought to show hospitality which means as i said hospitality then requires us to leave our comfort zone to go out of the way for the benefit of others and think of what the apostle peter says in first peter chapter 4 verse 9 as he calls believers to hospitality Peter will make it clear that while we have the responsibility to show hospitality one to another, it cannot just be in a token fashion. Whereby we say, "Okay, let's get this thing off, get this thing done. It's a duty i have to do anyway." Notice what Peter says: We are to do it. First Peter chapter four verse nine. He says, "We are to do so without grumbling." Now, what are some of the factors that would make it necessary for? you and me today, to be reminded of our duty of Christian hospitality. What are some of the factors, contemporary factors, in our society today, in our culture today, that would necessitate our hearing this text, do not neglect to show hospitality. And the first thing that comes to mind is this, the spirit of individualism that pervades our culture, the spirit of individualism that pervades our culture. By and large, our culture is one of sheer individualism. See, apart from situations where people are knit together as a family, by and large, you do not have a situation where people are welcome and open to coming into your home. Everybody basically wants to be left alone. The spirit of Individualism. If you don't believe me, try this. Like, you know, you go to somebody's house and you knock, they don't know you. And right away, they, what is it goes up? The, the antennas go up, and uh, they don't want to be bothered. They want to be left alone. Right? And that's the kind of situation we're living with in our society. It's a, it's a, it's a culture of individualism, and then, secondly, the prevalence of crime. The prevalence of crime. The plain fact is that with all that's going on today in terms of the evil, in terms of the wickedness around us, in terms of unscrupulous people around us, we just don't know whom to trust. But once again, we need to understand that this does not exonerate us, this does not absolve us from our responsibility to be hospitable. And then thirdly, the economic challenges of our time. Economic challenges summon us by way of temptation to focus on self to the exclusion of others. Well, if I invite people, I'm going to have to spend some money. And maybe again, we might have mistaken views as to what hospitality is about, because here's the point. There's nothing in scripture that says that if we're going to invite people, it has to be an elaborate, sumptuous feast. I'd like to give you some nice stuff. Right? But here's the point. We need to remember that it is not essentially the what, but the spirit of what we do. See? See? And so given these and other related challenges, you and I need to hear again and again the exhortation to hospitality. This is most vital. Why? Because according to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, serving others in this way, particularly the saints, by way of hospitality, is to show love to Christ's name. That's what Hebrews chapter 6 verse 10 says. Showing hospitality then is a demonstration of our love for God Himself. Read Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. For God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love, which you have shown to the saints in ministering to the saints in remembering his name. You notice that phrase, in in showing love for his name. Following his mandate for hospitality to strangers, we have then in verse 2b the motive for hospitality to strangers. The motive for hospitality to strangers, he says there. For thereby, some have entertained angels unawares. That is to say, some have entertained angels without even realizing it. Now, this is not saying that we are to we are we are to practice hospitality so that we might be visited by angels. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying we must. Do hospitality. We must practice hospitality from a motive of wanting to get something out of it. We see here that verse as he is in the Old Testament scriptures, the writer of Hebrews is clearly alluding to people like Abraham in Genesis 18, to Lot in Genesis 19, to Gideon in judges 611 to22, to Manoah in judges 13,18 to 8 to 21, and what was common with regard to these people. In being hospitable, they actually had angels without even knowing it. They had angels in their homes, angels in their midst. The author is saying, now, and and here's what we need to understand. Because some people in reading this verse will come away with a doctrine that is not necessarily being taught in the text. The question is, is the writer of Hebrews teaching that in showing hospitality to strangers, you and I today could literally have such experience that Abraham and Lot had with angels? If you look at the text very carefully, look at the text and gaze at the text very carefully and see if we can come away with that conclusion, I'll tell you, not necessarily necessarily. The text does not allow us to draw the conclusion that we could well have angels. Somebody we are entertaining, they could really be an angel, you know. There's nothing in the text that suggests that that is necessarily what the writer is saying. You say, well, what then is the point of the writer? It seems that the writer's point is to not only highlight the high premium that God places on this practice of hospitality by his people, but to simply make the point that as you and I practice hospitality, as we minister kindness to, to others, we can actually be ministering to messengers of God without even realizing it. And what do I mean by that? And We'll see in a while how this works out. The essence of what he's saying, as one writer puts it, is this. Hospitality can have unexpected rewards. Now, on the point of not knowing or realizing whom it is that we are ministering to, remember what our Lord Jesus said in Matthew 25? When the righteous heard the Lord say to them, verses 35 through 36, I was hungry and you gave me food, I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. With great surprise, you remember they replied, verses 37 through 39, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and gave you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you, or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? To which our Lord Jesus Responds The Lord responds, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. What is the writer saying then? The writer is saying then that in ministering hospitality, we could well be ministering. To messengers of God, not necessarily supernatural messengers of God, such as angels, but even those who are serving the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is why he says, what we will give a cup of cold water to one of these will by no means lose his reward. And so the, the, the thrust of what we have here in our text then is a call to be hospitable. It's a call to Christian love by way of going out of ourselves, going out of our comfort zone to minister to the needs of others. But what are the lessons we draw this morning? Because we're not going to get to the second point and develop it, develop the second point uh, properly. So let me close with what we can take away from what we have considered this morning. And certainly the overarching truth we learn from this passage, particularly verse 2, is that Christian love is intensely practical. We learn that Christian love is essentially service. It is service in the interest and well-being of the saints and of strangers which service is ultimately done for the Lord. In other words, we're not just serving others through hospitality, but we are, in effect, serving others. We are, in the words of Hebrews 6, verse 10, showing love for his name, which, in effect, means that we are, in effect, serving God. And then we notice thirdly, that Christian love involves putting oneself in the shoe or situation of another. And this more applies to my second point, but I'll, I'll, I'll mention it nonetheless because it has a bearing on hospitality. It involves putting ourselves in the shoe or situation of others who are in need. So perhaps we need to ask ourselves this morning in closing. How faithful have I been? And I challenge my own heart. I challenge my own life in this regard. How faithful have you been? How faithful have I been in this matter of hospitality? Am I withdrawn? Am I closed in my shell as it were? Am I in my comfort zone? Am I willing to be outgoing and outflowing with respect to showing love? to others, by ministering to them, by welcoming them even in our homes. And that, according to the word of God, is one of the hallmarks of true piety, of true godliness. May God grant us grace, especially in these days, when days, the days become harder and harder, more evil, that we would not grow cynical, would not grow cold, but that we would have open hearts, ready to welcome those who are in need.